Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours, the early edition, as we are in Las Vegas. Akash, are you in Las Vegas as well? I'm in New York City, but I wish I was in Las Vegas with you guys. The only reason I wish I was in New York City would have been that's uh, my daughters uh, live there, but they're on their way here. So I have, uh, although I would like to talk as well, I would love to have this be an 8 a.m. show instead of a 5 a.m. So how about you, the incredible Michael of Broken? Yeah, man. Uh, good morning. Uh, excited to be here with you. And, you know, it's okay. You can go take a nap in the afternoon, man. <laughs> you know, I, I know I, one of the things, oh, I know my problem. You know, Akash said your mic was a little low. I'm not because it's sitting on my desk. Um, anyway, uh, one of the interesting things, Mike, uh, I know when someone's a student of their calendar, uh, when they are on time, but even closer to the time they're supposed to be here, as you know, uh, every second counts. And I love I love the fact that I was here at 4.59 and 20 seconds, and you got here at 4.59 and 40 seconds. Uh, so we're rocking and rolling on the time. That's right. But guest here, uh, speaking of time, is the founder and CEO of Winley, um, and Akash Shah, welcome officers. Thanks so much for having me, David and Michael. I'm so excited to be here. Well, excited to have you. Uh, my family is well known in the allergy space. I don't know if you know that, uh, but I have a famous allergist. My uncle Eli Meltzer uh, owns San Diego Allergy and Asthma and uh, still speaks, uh, although he's uh, late in his 80s around the world, uh, about uh, allergies. Uh, and, you know, he has built, uh, talk about aligning your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. That's what he loves. And I used to make fun of him. As I got older, I realized, man, this is a guy who's fulfilling his passion. It's just not my passion. And uh, I know it's not my club broken passion or allergies, but uh, empowering others and helping others are. And you at Winley have an at-home allergy test and treatment. And a lot of people may not know that much about allergies uh, and how uh, dangerous they can be and how life-impacting they are. So I thought we'd start there with a little education on, you know, what is the issues with allergies? Is it just, you know, having a sneeze or a rash or uh, is there a lot more to it? Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right, David. Most people think of allergies as, you know, a few weeks of sneezing in the middle of spring, but it is much, much worse than that, especially if you have chronic allergies or a severe food allergy, right? So if you have chronic allergies to pollen or pets or dust, you are probably spending every single week of the year sniffling and you just have some brain fog and you're operating at half capacity, if that, right? So something I like to say is, you know, if you don't have allergies, think of the worst cold that you've ever had and how it just felt like you were sluggish and unable to move. If you have chronic allergies, that's what we're like all the time. Myself included. <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually, I've had a friend who had such severe allergies um, that you can die. And there are deaths uh, from allergic reactions. Is that correct? Are the numbers? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you have the bad luck of having a really bad allergy and then you expose yourself to something you're allergic to. So you see this happen all the time with peanuts or with shellfish, bee stings even. You know, you're gonna, your body's going to not know how to react to the foreign substance that it's being exposed to. While you and I know that it's safe, your body is going to say, no, this is really dangerous. We need to go into full out alert. And then you go into what's known as anaphylactic shock, and it starts freezing up the muscles in your throat, and it makes it difficult for you to breathe, eventually leading to death. So allergies can be something as light as, you know, a few sneezes here and there to literally being something that can kill you. Yeah, and I'm unfortunately one of those people in that boat. Um, I've lived in almost 20 different countries of the world, and I have had an EpiPen by my side on that adventure. Um, somehow made it through Asia without using it one time, surprisingly. Um, I think that, unfortunately, if you are one of the people like me who are so impacted by this, it gets really old going to the doctor, sitting there, getting a shot, waiting 25 minutes, going back a longer day, uh, and then dealing with, uh, reactions and breakouts and things of that nature. I mean, I've tried 
allergy shots probably four or five times to really no result. And and you have this amazing product here in Windley. And I'm so curious about how not only you differentiate yourself from traditional medicine, um, but why someone would want to go this route. Absolutely. Michael, I think uh, you sound like you're very familiar with uh, allergies and allergists and everything you have to go through. What Michael is yeah, referring sure. to with allergy shots is, you know, the traditional treatment when you don't know what you're allergic to and you want to fix them forever is allergy shot immunotherapy. So your primary care specialist, you know, your doctor you go to for everything refers you to an allergist. You hope that you can get in on time because they have huge wait lists because there's not enough allergists in the United States. When you finally get there, they prick you 40 times. Michael, did you have to go through that like barbaric allergy testing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So they literally <laughs> you literally put so underneath your skin. No, oh, it's not a good not time. They, they literally put underneath your skin 40 to 60 things which are forcing an allergic reaction. You can't take any antihistamines. It doesn't feel good. And you come back um, some time later and they say, look, now that we know what you're allergic to, we can fix you. But you got to come in every week for a large number of years, usually five years. And hey, look, if you have to go take a vacation, you're going to have to add some time on to the end because you're going to be missing your dosages. This treatment is proven and it works. But what we found, and when I say we, I mean the entire medical global medical community, have discovered that if you take that same substance, instead of injecting it in yourself once a week, but you put it underneath your tongue once a day through just a very simple dropper like this one, you're able to get the same change in your immune system so that your body stops being allergic and starts at, and stops having an allergy response and does not have an allergy response anymore. This is not new technology either. If you go to any university hospital like Johns Hopkins or Stanford or Harvard and you ask for under the, under the tongue allergy immunotherapy, this is what they'll give you. We just find that it hasn't quite made it all the way out to the people yet. And so we're trying to, we're bringing it to the people by providing at-home testing so we know what you're allergic to, unlimited access to a doctor so you never have to worry about, oh, what about this? What about peanuts? What about that? Um, and then we just ship the treatment right to you so that you can travel around Asia without having to worry as much about, oh God, what am I putting in my body? You know, it seems like uh, Winley uh, was aware of through COVID you know, all the existing methodologies, technologies, treatments and testing that existed and married those either through acquisition or, so, or some other methodology. Uh, because if you think about it, you know, telehealth obviously took off, it had to. In-home testing took off, had to. Uh, and then the search for the, the most difficult, which is in-home treatment, uh, which is, you know, obviously accelerated and compounded. And it seems as if, you know, you were through, you know, either acquisition or, you know, just development, uh, you know, putting all these pieces together into an extraordinary solution that just makes more sense. Absolutely. What we found is, you know, my co-founder, who is a doctor, was doing this in his practice. His colleagues were doing this out of his practice, but they were still expecting you to go pick it up. And then it still was a little difficult to reach your doctor because, you know, traditional medical practices, it's not as easy to just pick up the phone and call your doctor. So what we did is just like you suggested, David, is we combined these existing pieces, put an excellent experience on top of it, because for us, it's about making medicine more convenient instead of less convenient. And uh, I think it's been really successful because we have patients that have been with us for multiple years now that say, hey, I'm not allergic to my pets anymore, or I'm not alert, I can go out and hang out um, at my grand's kid's place because I used to be allergic to the dust, but now I'm okay. And it's really exciting when you're able to give people their lives back that way. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And it's something that as I'm sitting here thinking about my own future and, and the way that I move about the world, there's a certain convenience in this. Um, I think one of the things that often scare people away from products like yours is it's an unknown element. Like you said, you have 
this historical data that people have been able to do this orally and it has um, efficable results, but we live in a society where it's kind of like, yeah, everybody has a thing online now, right? Um, obviously, you've differentiated yourself in a lot of ways and have a background and history of being able to do this. But what else, if we go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole, what is it exactly that your formulations work specifically for individuals as opposed to some of the mass treatments that we see out in the world around allergies? Absolutely. So we're not trying to do anything new. We're literally applying what you would get at an academic medical center because we're using the same formulations which would be given to you um, at those places. And these formulations are the ones which are suggested by the um, professional academies. So the, the professional um, associations of doctors and ENTs and allergists. The way the process works is we send you an at-home allergy test kit, which only requires one finger prick because we need a little bit of your blood to test. We're not kind of putting you through a torturous um, in-office exam. We're, we put together, we, take, we get these lab results, which are gobbledygook to the average person, and we create a beautiful visualization. We share that with you so you know exactly what you are allergic to. And this is all given to you during a um, synchronous physician visit. So you're sitting face-to-face -face with a doctor um, on telehealth. And, the, and then the doctor will work with you to say, okay, Michael, uh, in your case, you're allergic to you know, Las Vegas pollen and cats and also in New York. And those are the three places where you are most often. You know, uh, those are the three things which affect you the most. Let's make sure we handle that. And that will be your specific formulation. The biggest differentiator here compared to what you would get in a traditional doctor's office is one, we're willing to ship this to you wherever you are. And two, because we're available nationally, uh, we have on hand everything you need to treat you in New York City and in Vegas and, you know, even Hawaii if you were to go there. Whereas your local allergists, if they're based in San Diego, they're not necessarily going to have the, uh, the medicine on hand to help uh, inoculate you to New York pollen. You know, they're kind of more focused yeah. on what's local. But I want to reiterate, like, this is not new science that we're doing. What we are bring, what we're doing is we're making it much more accessible and much more convenient. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur who had a cousin that's a doctor, and you figured out how to make it better uh, and much better and more profitable, which I really admire. Which is kind of what your podcast is about: founders and builders. Uh, with Akash Shah, you talk about with early stage business uh, leveraging your experience as an angel investor as someone who has scaled Winley, uh, how to uh, scale your businesses uh, through the podcast, through your experience. What do you think the number one mistake that early stage founders are making? Uh, do they scale too early, too late? What, what, what's one of the things you see as a denominator, as a challenge of why a lot of these founders fail? Absolutely. I think a lot of businesses fail. I don't want to say the founders fail. I think the businesses fail. Founders are learning the whole way through. Right. Uh, and founders expand, right? The, the businesses, they might close. <laughs> I'm, I try to keep it positive. Um, no, it is very positive. Trust me, from someone who is, is a founder whose business has failed. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not like Michael Unbroken. Nothing's bro unbroken. In, it's all unbroken in his life. There we go. I think there is a lack of understanding to what is actually driving revenue. So a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if people have a product which is actually selling, they scale too quickly. So they just start investing in sales and marketing without un really understanding the customer, without really understanding, you know, what is driving those sales. Um, and you see this all the time across every industry, right? Someone has that initial bite of success. They're like, oh, this is working so well. I'm going to, I'm not going to just double down on it. I'm going to quadruple down on it, or I'm going to go hundred X. And then all your model, it doesn't matter how, how good of a business person you are when it comes to modeling, because all that's going to break when you change the assumptions that aggressively. So I know it sounds like a, you know, something everyone no. says you're scaling too quickly, but that that's basically it. But I think the solution no, is like, just really dig in and see 
where are your sales coming from and be a little more focused on that. Yeah, I think, you know, in the depth or the subtleties of what you're saying is uh, what are your invisible and what are your invisible assumptions uh, that we're making as we scale and where we're directing our resources to, which causes us to have that affect. Uh, anyway, Akash, I am amazed by your genius. Would love to be a guest, as I know, Michael, I'm broken on your podcast. We talk about scaling businesses and uh, you know, thank you for being a genius. This is amazing. Genius, in my opinion, is an expression of God. People like Akash, like I always say, are saving the world. Entrepreneurs will save the world, whether it's from allergies or plastics or holes in the environment. You'll see people like Akash Shah leading the way. Founder and CEO of Winley, host of his own podcast. Check him out. Follow him. Uh, you should be if you aren't. Winley.com com w y n d l y dot com thanks for joining me we'll see you Sakash. thank you so much david i really appreciate it you got it awesome all righty next but not least uh there we go uh ronald is here uh he's not connecting michael and broken is accidentally disconnected as well and so um we will see what uh where everybody's at. Um, I probably should have left Akasha on here for a little bit further conversation. Um, but there's my man. Hello. Yeah, laptop crashed. You know, the we had the storm the other day, David, and yeah. water came through my ceiling, destroyed all my equipment. So we're on the we're on the shuffle here trying to figure out how to make it happen, but we're still here, man. Yeah, well, thank you for always making the effort. I certainly appreciate it. Well, we have all, uh, Rinald was in and out as well. So he might live in Las Vegas. I know there was, a, and Gigi lives in Las, I mean, Gigi, Raluca lives in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, we, we knew immediately when the storm was out, when she was uh, calling us. Uh, but, you know, while I have you here, um, you know, I would love to know, you know, through, you, you live a very active life. And when you have, uh, circumstance in which was not planned nor would you want it creates challenges for yourself when that storm hit and your equipment all goes down and i know you rely on that equipment and electricity as a lot of us do uh talk me through the mindset the heart set and the handset uh to be able to be here today to be able to stay productive accessible and gracious where a lot of people are still spiraling you know, you just had, you know, one minute off of a show. That was the only uh, interference that I created. So I'd love for you to share kind of talking us through that experience when all the lights went off and the water started pouring down on your electronics. Yeah, you know, it's funny because probably not that long ago, I would have lost my mind, you know. Yes. Oh, my God, my, my electronics, they're totally wet. And, you know, now I have to file the claim with the insurance. And I used to be an insurance guy, you know, in a whole other life. So I know that world. Um, and then I've got to deal with rescheduling all these podcast recordings and these coaching sessions and this and that. And, and ultimately, David, it's really kind of the same thing I teach my clients each week when I'm with them is that life is going to life. And, you know, what's really interesting is that we don't really have control over what's next. And we try to white knuckle ourselves through life and make it be what we want it to be. And whenever you do that, and, and you know this as well as I do, life will step in front of you and say, no, how about you try letting go and I'm going to test you. And, and I think that for me, I've learned to just, to be honest with you, let go. And maybe it's nihilistic, maybe it's stoic, I'm not sure, maybe it's a little bit of both. But ultimately, I've just come to realize at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to care about the fact that my laptop stopped working, but I'm going to be very concerned about the way that I reacted to that. Because that one moment interferes and impacts not only your day, but reciprocally everything that's around you. When we had this storm, two hours later, I had to go pick up my little brother who I hadn't seen in years from the airport, right? And so I could have been concerned with that and stuck in there and everything is ruined or i could just like hey dude you're gonna have to sleep in a different room of the house because the office got flooded 
right? And so ultimately, I think it's really about bringing attention to what's important, what's matter, being grateful and gracious and 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 recognizing that 99% of the things, David, that happen in our life actually really are not that important. Yeah, and I think it causes us to be on our deathbed if we don't react uh, in that way uh, when we have the indicator that we have a better place to be in a better position to be in when our electronics are a flood or a fire or whatever it may be uh, to find the light, the love and the lessons in it. And I appreciate you sharing that. Raluca, give me a thumbs up uh, if uh, Renald is ready. Okay, bring him in. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, of course. All right, the CEO of RK may or may not be here. I know he, uh, we know what this feels like, uh, Mike, uh, with the connectivity. Uh, one of the other things while I wait for him to connect uh, is I can see a difference in you as well. Just when you disconnected, uh, how long it took you to get back, which wasn't long at all, and how calm you were. Uh, whereas, you know, other people, when that happens, uh, are completely flustered. Ironically, it takes them longer to get reconnected because of that uh, anxiety that they had. Um, so let me, uh, remove, uh, real quick. Oh, there he is. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm Renaud. Pleased to meet you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Renaud. Thank you for joining us. What a pleasure. Welcome. Uh, where, 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 uh, where are you dialing in from? I am now in Mexico at my factory. Uh, you know, the arcade plant is in Mexico. So that's why I came to Mexico and then to, in a couple of days, I will travel back to Europe. Beautiful. Well, we, uh, we will be in Mexico City. I'm blessed to share a stage with Tom Brady and uh, Chicharito, who's a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back down there. Uh, you have a beverage company, but uh, have come from the perfume uh, industry. And so I wanted to start with arcade beverages. Uh, you're shaking up the liquor market there, revolutionizing uh, an alcohol-free formula that smells and tastes like liquor. Uh, what did you use from the perfume industry, the knowledge there, to realize that you know our taste is directly related to what we smell and you know how to control smell? Hey, great, great. If you come to make. I'm going to have to call Michael. I'm going to have to call Carlos Slim. Uh, I think Telcel is not providing the bandwidth necessary to utilize on the video. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? I think? You're right there, David. Yeah, I think you're spot on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what a shame. So, um, you're so interesting. I'm going to go, go with this a little bit while we, while we wait uh, for for our friend to, to get unfrozen. We could make a movie about that. Well, broken and unfrozen. Uh, but, you know, I love when I'm looking at businesses like uh, RK here, uh, where he has years of experience at one industry. And then he looks at another industry and it revolutionizes that industry. You know, applying uh, what it is and how it works. Uh, so, um, Oh, I think I think he may have a connection. We'll set up in here. All right, Renald, can you hear us? Yes, I do. I do. I'm sorry, something of wrong with the with the micro. But it's okay now. Yeah, we're gonna call we'll call <laughs> Carlos Slim and tell him his bandwidth sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'll let Michael make that call. I think he's connected. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got him on speed dial actually. I figured as much. <laughs> Oh my God, you know, uh, I got to meet Carlos Slim in New York uh, at an event and it was a, a very big event, but he was uh, being honored. I've never met someone with bigger bio in my life. And he had no, he had no qualms using the long bio, uh, but <laughs> half, half of the presentation uh, was his bio. That's how much that man has achieved. Uh, you know, he is... He's on more boards than you and I combined, which, by the way, would mm -hmm. take about 15 minutes to list out, let alone every humanitarian award, let alone the amount of businesses he owns and funds and operates uh, and all the other things that he's involved with. It literally was, you know, 25 minute bio. 
you know, people were giggling. In fact, it went on so long, you know, was, and he's president of this and he founded this and, you know, he created lightning. It was amazing. Uh, Renald, can you hear? <laughs> can you yes, hear? yes, yes. Nice, clear oh, and perfect. Go. All right. Yes. So, Good how, morning. How was the experience in the perfumeness? It seems as if you applied it to the liquor business. Uh, you know what? Very good question. What happens is this. When you wear perfume or when you smell perfume, it smells delicious. However, when you test it, it tastes bare, terrible, because a perfume is to, is to smell, not to, not to taste. So with liquor, it's fantastic to have been in a perfume business because I'm able to mimic and to copy the blend and the flavor and the taste, which is very difficult to do. Very, or everybody would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt, I doubt, but it's okay. Uh, uh, competition is allowed. You're welcome. <laughs> Renault, what, what inspired this and why did you decide to create this business? Okay, it's a, it's a funny story. One night, I used to live in Panama. One night, my son came at 3 a.m. in the morning and he was drunk. And he told me, Bad, forgive me, forgive me. Make an alcohol-free whiskey, and I promise you I will not be drunk anymore. So I say, okay, I take your word. So I started to make an alcohol-free whiskey. I created the, the flavor first, and then I could create the burn, because the most important is a burn, you know, the burn like real alcohol. So I nailed it, absolutely identical. This was in 2007 or 2008, and then in 2011, I started my factory. It's amazing what inspires us, and a lot of times it is our children uh, that set us forth uh, or some sort of solution that works for us. Um, now, in understanding alcohol, was the process similar to what we do with perfume? Was there some sort of engineering, uh, or who did you have to hire or uh, look at in order to facilitate how to get the same kick, the same burn, the same flavor uh, and smell that uh, real alcohol has. Okay, okay. In, number one, Arke is made with water, not with alcohol. It's water-based. So because it's water-based, there is no risk at all, no, no alcohol or whatever during the formulation. Number two, I add some flavoring. The flavoring I buy and I make are natural. So let's say I take flavoring of oak from the barrel and I add it with the water, and it creates a state of whiskey, but no alcohol. And then for the burn, very simple, I add some capsaicin, which is a warm molecule I created, I invented, and it gives you the burn in mouth, identical than liquor. Like if you drink pepper, but I balance it such a way that it gives you the impression is liquor. That's amazing. I could, Michael, I could have used that in uh, Korea. Uh, there's something, you know, back in the 90s when I was there called Bing Fa, where you know, they were very strategic in playing with your blood sugar, you know, playing with and then negotiating at the perfect time when you were susceptible to not being at your best. Uh, I used to chew tobacco so I could spit my alcohol back into a half empty beer so I could stay sober to keep up with these guys so they couldn't take advantage of me. Uh, you got a, a last question for Renault? Yeah, Renault, I'm just so curious. Um, as you see more people heading towards an alcohol-free lifestyle, um, where are you finding most of your clients coming from? Are they from social media? Are they uh, younger generation? Where are you finding your clients? Okay, I'm going to explain to you. Is in fact, from a silly story, it's starting to be an unbelievable story, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, millions of millions of people or billions of people drink liquor every day, which is which is normal. Everybody drinks liquor. That's why liquor is full in supermarkets, is everywhere in gas station, anywhere in the world, not only in America, in the world. But many people don't drink. And many, many people want to get away from liquors also. So my clientele are my customers are people that suddenly they realize that there is an alternative to liquor. Because maybe they have an issue with uh, with uh, medicine or they're under medication, or just simply they have a, they want to have a life without the liquor, or maybe for religious uh, 
uh, aspect. Maybe they don't really care because they're Muslim, or maybe they don't really care because they're Mormon, and also because people want to be sober. Because when you are sober, you do things better. Honestly speaking, it's much better. And uh, little by little, from, uh, I will say, from uh, uh, 1 million followers uh, of for RK, we came up with 6 million, 10 million, 100 million. And then suddenly, today, like 50% uh, of the planet is looking for an alcohol-free world, an alcohol-free life. This is why RK is so important. I don't pretend to be the best one. I'm not. But what I am, I created the concept. And now what I like the most is that all my competitors came inside, came around me, and they showed that my idea was right. Because today, because it, it shows absolutely that I was right with, uh, with my idea. But again, it's an idea, it's, I would say, is more a mission. I have, in a, I have a mission because I help people to be, to be in good shape. I, I'm selling the product is one thing. Everybody has money and can sell product. But I'm not looking for selling my product only. I'm looking for a mission to help people to get away from liquors, to treat their kids very well, to pay the school in time, to be uh, good fathers, and so on and so on. So the, the getting away from liquors is a new way of living. This is mostly my point. Mm. And it's a terrific mission that you're on. Uh, if we took the amount of time, emotion, value, relationships, and money uh, that is wasted because of alcohol, uh, it is amazing what it would do to the entire world's GMP. Uh, that money that's spent on alcohol, uh, if it was spent on non-alcohol, uh, would have such an impact on our economy. It would be incredible. Uh, and it's not just because of the productivity, the accessibility, uh, but it's also because of the damage uh, that it occurs in those areas as well. Uh, once again, entrepreneurs saving the world. And uh, it's amazing how we can trick our brains as well. Uh, with the same taste, smell, flavors, and experience uh, through re-engineering. Ronald Vito, and I'm going to try it, Grottagliano, my man, rkbeverages.com. If you don't like the effect of alcohol, but you like the experience of it, there's no better thing to purchase than RK Beverages. Uh, check them out. There's a reason there's so much, uh, pe so many people trying to get into the space. Thanks for joining us, Renault. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Bye-bye. Keep up the great work. All right. Entrepreneurial heroes uh, we have here today, that's for sure. Clea is here. Clay Connor, CEO of Open Debate, opentodebate.org. Welcome to Office Hours. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good morning. How, uh, tell me where you are right now, because you look as if it's like four in the afternoon. You are <laughs> right. uh, so well put together and awake. And all. For us, it's like 530 in the morning. Where are you right now? I'm in New York, so I have a couple, a few more hours on a li you. A little advantage. I, I was going to say, are you in, are you in London? Because, uh, man, that's, that's the way I like to look by four. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's complete smoke and mirrors. It's just one little ring light on a USB, and that's it. Works miracles. <laughs> it, well, you're doing a great job, and we Thanks. appreciate you being here. Um, you know, my wife and I celebrated our anniversary and our, uh, her birthday this past weekend, and it was interesting because one of uh, the issues, we have four children and, you know, we go to after function with other parents and we have a huge family. And uh, in the context of all of our relationships, there doesn't seem to be an atmosphere, which was a, a, a really around when I was young, when we had these family functions and after the football parties, where like people were open to debate um, and they were at least somehow reliant on facts, mm. not siloed facts of engineered into the community that you belong to, uh, whether it be a political community, a social community, a religious community, a geographic community. Uh, there seems to be this closing of the door of debate because it's just not worth it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'd rather maintain a relationship with a relative or a friend than debate that person to improve each other's perspective. 
um, how is your launching the open to debate platform? Yeah. Can we restore the critical thinking, the facts, the reason, the civility that has created America, uh, a soapbox community? Yeah, I mean, no, we're we're at a we're at a moment. We're just talking about you know alcohol. I caught the end of the conversation, and we have a different kind of poison, you know, in our public discourse at the moment, um, and that's the inability to actually listen to somebody you disagree with seriously consider their point of view and try and understand and empathize with where they're coming from rather than shut down the conversation or unfollow or unlike or block or you know any of these actions that are actually now playing out in real life in our communities with our friends in relationships that the model we have for for the national model we have um, is a letdown for people so when you're seeing at the very top the kind of debates that are are really toxic rhetoric, they're talking points. They're oftentimes avoiding answering the serious questions. Um, we don't have a national model for how to debate, how to disagree, how to have a productive conversation and synthesize ideas and ultimately come up with better solutions. That's really debate is it's a method and a process. So at Open to Debate, we're bringing the two sides together. We're providing a national model for how to actually disagree um, and how we can, you know, sort of understand each other through um, different points of view, different perspectives, and actually listening. So that's the art that's kind of been lost, too, is listening and actually having to sit down and hear something that you disagree with. And you can be in a silo all the time now with your own media, like you said, without having a shared set of facts. Um, and I think people are kind of allergic to the word debate. And that's another thing that, that, we're, that we're working here as a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization to sort of rehabilitate the role of debate in democracy. A more informed electorate is a, more, is a, is a functioning country. And at this point, if you're able to, to not interact with half of the country or think your own thoughts, have your own opinions, never really have to defend or understand why you came up with that or have a contrarian point of view. Um, even just information to, to you know, justify your, your set of opinions. So really we're bringing these say two thought leaders together that really disagree, but have oftentimes a shared set of facts and definitions. And we start the debate there. I absolutely love that. And we live in an incredibly divisive time right now, probably more so in history, predominantly because of our, our cell phones and the internet. And when you go look at it and study algorithms and social media, the silo begins the second you go to Google. And, and that gets reinvented on a daily basis on your search practices. I mean, I, ha I heard someone, it might've been Brendan Burchard said, if you wanna know who someone is, go look at their YouTube landing page. And I thought that was really fascinating because it's so true how we can just get stuck in this. Yeah. But I also think that there's an importance in, in recognizing that just because we disagree with someone, it doesn't make them toxic. It doesn't make them narcissistic. It doesn't make them bipolar. It doesn't make them whatever catchy word of the week it is. How do you allow people the space to step into difference in, in both a healthy and protected way? It comes, a lot of it comes down to, to three things, three fundamental elements of like what distinguishes a debate from a discussion or a conversation. The first thing is framing the central question. So oftentimes people get, you know, into a conversation that gets really heated, but they're talking past each other because they're using different definitions or they're starting from a place where they're not on the same page to begin with. So a, a, a real debate has to have a central question, something that's perhaps provocative, but that you can answer very clearly yes or no to. <laughs> like, should NATO admit Ukraine is a debate that we just produced last week. It's on NPR right now. The answer, is it, is it yes or no and why? And what's your body of evidence? The second thing is the moderation. So how, how we're actually then saying, you've answered yes or no to this question, tell us why, give us your evidence, give us the information that we're gonna learn from, but then we wanna compare and contrast those ideas and actually have an exchange. 
So the way that we moderate these debates, our, our primary host, John Donvan, we have a bunch of guest moderators as well, is very much um, a lesson in, in how to structure productive questions with somebody, how to really take active listening with a point they made and ask a follow-up question to reveal a little bit more peel back layers and understand where somebody's coming from. And then the third thing is having uninterrupted uh, you know, parts of the conversation. So opening remarks, it's the structure of, of real debate where you have opening remarks that are completely uninterrupted. Then we have a back and forth sort of a cross-examination segment. We bring in for Q&A additional experts, people that really understand the, the conversation, journalists, um, you know, thought leaders in their field, researchers, and have them bring another level of sort of, I don't want to use the word interrogation, but really push both sides so that we, we learn more. And so it's also just structure. So it's framing moderation and structure that really sets these apart. And Clea, one of the things that I love about the open to debate platform is that one of the things that's missing today is revealing invisible assumptions. And I'm going to use a really, uh, having three daughters and my wife, you know, they hate this example because it, it is something that people are afraid of talking about. Uh, but if you look at the to topic of abortion, highly charged, yeah. highly charged. So I take the approach of open to debate of let's figure out the invisible assumption first. So for example, if you believe, which can't be proven, that there is a life at a number of months and you are against murder, then how can we not participate in your perception that abortion would be bad before, I mean, after that month occurred? So if you believe it is zero months, one month, two months, three months, four months, whatever it is, that is an invisible assumption. And so many people have wasted again, time, money, emotion, value, et cetera, without examining via process or methodology like open to debate mm -hmm. to reveal the invisible assumption to say, hey, I appreciate where you're coming from because you and I agree that murder is bad. We just can't agree on what month murder occurred. The, you know, we know it occurs at 50 years old, <laughs> but whether it's three months or four months, is an invisible assumption. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn to respect these invisible assumptions in order to effectuate a greater good so that we can come up with compromise for those people that believe legalizing marijuana is a mistake because they have an invisible assumption compared to those who think legalizing marijuana is God's greatest gift to the United States. Mm -hmm. And I can participate in the perception what do you think it is most in the process of open to debate that reveals these invisible assumptions that unites us and yep. separates us? That's the, that's the cool thing. I mean, so a debate by design isn't, isn't intended to necessarily find common ground. I mean, we're, we're, where you find common ground is the fact that now you have two people sitting together who really disagree, who are willing to have a, a serious conversation and hear each other out. That's, where the common ground exists. But then we depart from that so that we're able to say, you know, I actually, I think what's, what's helpful is a measurement tool that we've used in the past, which is taking a vote from somebody who comes in at the very beginning on a central question. And to use your example, you know, um, legalizing marijuana was a mistake, yes or no. You cast your vote, listen to the debate. We then poll you again at the end and say, you know, did you change your mind? Did you shift your opinion? Are you now, you know, on the other side? Are you undecided? Or are you more convinced than ever after hearing this debate that, that your point of view is right? And on average, over the last 10 years, 32% of people changed their mind. That is a huge number when you consider just how isolated people are in their political thinking, or at least the narrative that we're told that we're so divided you know, that we can't understand each other, that social media is definitely creating this huge gulf between us and society. But if a single debate can move the needle 32% and actually help people sort of uh, understand another person's point of view, 
or at least see the merit in arguments that they that they disagree with. You know, you may not change your mind, but you may say, you know, that wow, they had a lot of points that I really didn't think about incarceration incarceration rates, for instance, in that particular debate. Um, understanding what arguments are sort of going to actually shift um, and change the outcome of public opinion. So, so that's really the process debate is doing. It's giving you very specific points that you can focus in on, and that may change the way you think. But you also start out perhaps by saying the framing of this debate isn't abortion good or bad. It's life begins at, you know, one month, two months, three months, to use your example, and then really focus in on the framing of that conversation rather than try and take on the entire you know, abortion debate and where your morals are or, you know, bringing in religious beliefs or bringing in other things. If you're focusing, say, perhaps right on that question and bringing in different scientists, different doctors, different examples, then you're having a different kind of debate as well. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting is it really appeals to uh, what I tend to define the ego-based consciousness that separates us. So whether you have a need to be right and need to be offended and need to be separate, inferior, superior, all these different needs of the ego that we prescribe to fear uh, only generate more separation, more void shortages and obstacles and outcomes. And, you know, I think, and I don't think, I, I would highly suggest people to engage and open to debate just because of the subject matters, even if you're interested or not in, you know, should artists be allowed to borrow from cultures besides their own, whether that interests you or not, uh, I think it's important for us to start learning a new rhetoric, a new methodology of communication, effective communication, where not only can we appreciate those who have the same opinion, but I think what's really missing and what open to debate allows us to do is relearn uh, to appreciate people with different opinions. And that's what this country is founded on. And that's what unity exists and relies upon. Clea Connor, most well together person here on the show, uh, <laughs> even though that we're back east in uh, in Mexico City. Thank you so much. Uh, I am definitely a fan, and I can't wait to see some of these upcoming programs so I can learn how to unite more people uh, by not agreeing, but by understanding and appreciating. I think that's the core of what you're doing. And bravo to you. Go to opentodebate.org, CEO of Open Debate, Clea Connor one of uh, our entrepreneurial heroes as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. So nice to be here. Great to have you. Thank you. All right, Michael Unbroken, we are miles apart from each other. And uh, I look forward to seeing you later on today at the Win, uh, at our studio there uh, in the lobby of the Win. Maybe you and I can do some content too if uh, my uh, esteemed guests uh, have a little extra time. I love to sit down and get some content in that killer studio that we have. Uh, we're going to be doing a meetup afterwards, so I'm hoping you can hang out. Uh, I know your schedule is extremely active. Perfect. We'll be at the win, 5:30 to 6:30 for a meetup. Me and the Michael Broken will be at that meetup right there by Tableau, right there by the buffet, right there in the lobby of the Win Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, it's going to be amazing. What is your takeaway for the day, Michael? Man, um, it really hit me that all three of these incredible entrepreneurs and change makers are innovators. And you look at each one of these industries, you could argue allergy shots are 50 years old, alcohol is as old as oxygen, and debate is older than that. And even in all these in industries, considering their age, how dogmatic each of them are individually, and, and collectively, these people have come together and said, I think I can do it differently. That's more beneficial to humanity, faster, more economical, more informational. And that is what entrepreneurship is. And even like as I think about the future of my businesses and what I do, 
what you do, what we all do together. I mean, we're in innovation right now, David, just this moment, this conversation, you know, 500 plus episodes of Office Hours. It started with an idea to do something different. And it's just a reminder, man, I wish people could understand this. When I'm coaching entrepreneurs, I'm trying to force this into their brain where it's like, it doesn't matter if it's been around forever. If you believe you can do it better, different or more impactful, you're obligated to do it. And I love seeing that from people. Yeah, me too. And I think this was one of my favorite episodes uh, with us, even though Mike Diamond no-showed us. I thought it was going to be uh, less than instead of the more than, which it is. Uh, but more importantly, um, you know, I believe entrepreneurs are going to save the world. And, and this episode to me was proof of that, but it's also proof of karma. Uh, karma, mm -hmm. if you look at its definition, uh, means action. And, you know, it takes a special person uh, like you said, for, you know, allergy uh, of the process, it's been around forever to make action on their innovation. And, you know, Akash did that, you know, with his cousin who was an allergist and completely changed the world. You know, I don't know how many millions of people suffer uh, like you that aren't going to suffer anymore. Uh, obviously, Renald, he took action because he loves his son so much. And he figured maybe there's some other people that love other people so much. Maybe I can create a solution. And then, of course, Clea, again, how many people sit there just after listening to a political debate as the elections that are sick to their stomach and don't want to watch anymore? They read the news that's siloed and they don't want to read the news anymore. They don't want to stay informed. They don't want to grow. How many of those people exist? And guess what Clea did? took action. And so not only is it the entrepreneurs are going to save the world, but it's the karma that they're creating, the action that's creating the outcomes that are better, bigger, and brighter for all of us. As I am bigger, better, and brighter for all of us when you join me. Michael Unbroken, at Michael Unbroken. Check him out. If you're not following him, you should be here on Office Hours with David Meltzer, my boy. I will see you in a few hours. I cannot wait. Thank you, my man. I'll give you a big hug when I see Of course. Can't wait, brother. You're awesome. Thank you. All right. We are here in Las Vegas. I want to thank Gigi and Raluca, as always, extraordinary producers that put together these commonalities, these spinal uh, reaches of what we do. If you want to change the world, if you want to have great karma, you should join us. Just email me, david at dmeltzer.com. I'm still happy to send a book sign to you, send it to you, pay for shipping in the book. We do meetups every single week. We have a VIP dinner, Raluca, VIP dinner on Thursday here in Las Vegas with uh, Ryan Pineda, Flex Lewis, uh, Forrest Griffin, many, many more. Uh, I'll be there and we'll do some Q&A and have a lot of fun with some great food. Uh, come and join us at the meetup tomorrow. So I'm sorry, meetups today, dinners tomorrow. All you got to reach out to us, david at dmelter.com. We have so many things going on, I can't even remember them all. That's why I created a text community to alert me and alert you what's going on today, tomorrow, and the next day. So I'm going to go through that. Today is the meetup at 4.30 uh, at the Win 5.30, sorry, at the Wynn Hotel, 5.30 p.m. at the Wynn Hotel in the lobby at our studio. Tomorrow is the VIP dinner. Come and email me right there, david at dmelter.com. And Friday at the bottom, rolling across, we're coming on 24 years in October of free Friday training. Uh, we'll be bringing it again every single Friday to you for free. Free books, free guides, free exercise, and free training. We do everything we can. If it's free, it's me. We're here for we. Thank you, everyone. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later today, hopefully, at the win. Take care.